12. And we're going to read down through verse number 22 this morning. Let's have a word of prayer before we get in the Scriptures. Father, we love you today because you first loved us. And Lord, how we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray, Lord, along with the psalmist, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Give us direction. Give us wisdom. Speak to every heart today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. John chapter number 2. And let's begin our reading this morning, please, in verse number 12. After this, speaking of the wedding of Cana, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a small and when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and of the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the Scripture and the word which Jesus had said. I want to preach this morning from these Scriptures on when Jesus cleans house. You see, there are two cleansing of the temple in the Gospels. There is one at the beginning of our Lord's ministry, which is our text today. And then, in a couple of years, we'll get in Matthew 21. You laugh, but it's probably going to be the truth. But we will look at the second purification of the temple, which took place just before His crucifixion and resurrection. What is Jesus doing in this text? He is seeing a problem within the temple, within the house of God, and it's His house. And so he's just cleaning house. By way of introduction, I want to look at a few things. I want to take the introduction and I want to give you the story like I did last week, the primary interpretation, and then we're going to make a practical application to you and I. First of all, in our outline, there is the Passover at the temple in verse 13. The Passover. The Bible says in verse 13, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. This Passover, of course, we preached on this before. And I'll just mention it in passing. This Passover was the ceremonial uh, feast, the ceremonial celebration that the Jews would, uh, would celebrate every year, and they still do to this day when they remember when God brought them out of the land of Egypt. They were in bondage in Egypt for over 400 years and they cried out to God and God raised up a man by the name of Moses and God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. And that night, that night that they were leaving, that death angel, that tenth and final plague was coming in. And Moses told God's people, he said, you take you a lamb and don't tie it up in the backyard, but you shed his blood. You slay him and you take his blood and you put it on the 
the top of the door and on both sides. And he said, and everybody that gets in behind the blood, when I see the blood, the death angel said, I will pass over you. That's what that pass over means. They were commemorating the night that their forefathers should have died. That firstborn would have died in that house that night. That first birth was condemned. I wish I had somebody. Because of their first birth, they was going to die at the hands of the death angel. Oh, but if the blood had been applied, and if they had placed faith in that blood and got inside, then that death angel would pass over, and death would have to move along when it got to that door. Well, I'm glad I was under the condemnation of sin because of my first birth. Oh, but I trusted in Christ. You know what He did? The judgment of God. It passed over me. And He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And if Israel thought it was important to every year to remember that night when they were spared from their first birth, death experience, when they were spared by the mercy and the hand of God, if they thought it was important to do that, how much more should you and I remember where God brought us from and how God saved us and changed us have made a difference in our lives. It wasn't because we went to church and it wasn't because we joined the church. It is because we placed our faith and our trust in the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. We ought to remember that. We ought to rejoice in that. We ought to reflect on that this morning. There's the Passover in verse 13. That's why Jesus is going up to Jerusalem. Boy, he's going to a celebration that's all about him, and they don't even realize it. It's all about him. He was that lamb. He was declared to be the lamb of God in the previous text. And they don't even realize it's all about him, but right in the middle of it, they're talking about a lamb that was shed. He said, that's me. They're talking about blood that was shed. That's going to be my blood. They were talking about the innocent dying for the guilty. That would be Christ. Amen. There's the Passover in verse 13. But then there's the purpose of the temple. Verse 14 lets us know that Jesus enters the temple. What was the purpose of that temple? Well, we understand that God in the Old Testament, in the days of Moses and the wilderness wanderings, they had the tabernacle. That tabernacle in the wilderness. That tabernacle was a tent, if you would. It was a campsite set up. And it was mobile. They could take it down and move it. Uh, but when God raised up David to be king, God put in David's heart uh, to build the temple. But God wouldn't not allow David to do it. So instead of David getting mad at God that he couldn't do something, he decided to help somebody else do something. So he made all the preparations for Solomon and that temple was raised up. Boy, you want a blessing. You read about that first service they had in that temple. You ever heard them old time or somebody getting thick? It got so thick in there. The Bible said the priest couldn't see the minister. They couldn't find their song book. They couldn't find their Bible. They couldn't find what page they was on because God became real in there. That purpose of the temple. I got it in your notes. It was a place for sacrifice. It was a place where they'd bring an offering and make a sacrifice to God. By the way, when we come to church, we all, I feel like preaching today. I couldn't preach last week and I'm going to get it out this morning. We ought to come to church with a desire to give a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. The Hebrew writer said, I tell you this morning, we are not bringing an ox or a bullock or a lamb or a ram to church this morning. Oh, but we ought to come with a sacrifice of praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It ought to be on our lips. This is a place for sacrifice. 
This is a place of prayer. Jesus will say at the second cleansing of the temple in Matthew 21, My house shall be called a house of prayer. This is not the only place that we should pray, but we ought to make prayer a priority in this place. It was also a place of worship. Psalm 5, he said, I will worship toward thy holy temple. Amen. Uh, and so it was also a place for the Word of God. It was where the Word of God would be taught, where the Word of God would be preached. By the way, that's what church ought to be. Amen. Hey, I say this all the time, and I know everybody here goes to church here, but if you go to a church and they don't open up this Bible and they don't preach this book, you need to find you another church. Amen. If you're out there watching Internet land, uh, you need to find you a church where they open up that Bible and they preach it just as it says. Dr. Sider said if you'll preach the Bible, you'll never have to say sorry for anything. There is the purpose of the temple. But then look at verse 14. There is the pollution of this temple. Jesus goes to this temple expecting to find prayer, sacrifice, worship, the Word of God. But instead, look, what he, look, what he, look at what he finds in verse 14. And found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. Most Bible commentators believe that these animals were sold for sacrifice in the court of the Gentiles. And what they would do, it was for the purpose, and boy, there's so much preach here, and I've got myself on a time limit, but there's so many think, rabbits jumping up here, and I've got to be careful. But the reason they had these animals for sale in the court of the Gentiles was because they wanted to make worship convenient for everybody. It's a big sacrifice to raise a lamb at your house and then travel from your house and bring that lamb to the, to the temple. So it's a little more convenient if you don't have to go to all that work. You can just come here and get what you need. No labor, no work involved. There's a lot of Bible commentaries argue whether that's right or wrong. I will say this. We are living in a church age that wants to make it convenient for everybody. And as long as God fits in your schedule, uh, I'm, I'm coaching ball this year for Dax and, and pray for those children. And one of the reasons I'm coaching ball is because that lady told me, they said, Preacher, we will schedule your ball games around your church calendar. I said, I'm in. I don't schedule my ball games. I, I don't schedule my church calendar around my ball games. I'm scheduling, amen, my, that's right, amen. It's not going to say, well, if we don't have nothing going on, we'll go to church. No, we're going to church, amen. I'm telling you this morning, they, they want to make church convenient. Make, we have coffee and donuts and muffins and all that, but this ain't a social club. We have fellowship, but this ain't Starbucks. Somebody help me, amen. This ain't McDonald's. This ain't Chick-fil-A either. I'm telling you, we, this is a house of worship. These, these animals, many of these animals too were not just being sold, but at highly inflated prices. Apparently Joe Biden was running that area. I mean, he's that old, my goodness. We told, we told Charles if he falls two more times, he can qualify to be president. Amen? I mean, that's just, just how it is. And so what I'm saying this morning is they were charging people for worship. Boy, don't that go on today. I mean, we take up offerings here. We don't, it don't cost you anything to come in here. It costs you everything you got to leave. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, we take up free will offerings. Don't nobody hold a gun. But Sam would say, hey, we're not going to take an offering. We're going to receive one. If you take, they don't want to give. We're going to receive an offering. But these people are charging for worship. I will, you listen to this preacher. Not that they would ever call me, but I will never preach somewhere where they charge for tickets. Well, they charge a ticket price to get in to hear somebody preach. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. 
Apparently, y'all, y'all want your, all right, $25 a head payable to me tonight, okay? And y'all owe me for about 11 years, okay? <laughs> what I'm saying, yeah, back pay. I, I, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not about, this ain't a concert, this ain't a show. Then they had these money changers. These money changers, what they were doing, they were providing a necessary service. The temple would not take Gentile coins. Well, most of the people carried Gentile coins. So what they would do, they would have those money changers set up there in the court of the Gentiles, and people would come in with a Jewish coin, uh, a Gentile coin, they would trade it for a Jewish coin. The only problem is these money changers were charged a 12.5% charge on their services. Once again, the Democrat administration. Say amen, Cameron. Yeah, I know you agree with that, all right. And so, and so this morning, I'm sorry to kick on you, buddy, but you've been here long enough, and you're friends with Caden, so you're asking for it, okay? But what I'm saying this morning is they were, they were charging, they were polluting, they were making church about them and patting their pocket in the process. This church takes care of me. We take care of God's missionaries and God's preachers, but we're not, we are not fleecing the people of God, and we're not charging people to worship, Amen. We notice the polluting of this temple, but then we notice the purging of the temple. Why did the church, why did this temple need to be cleansed? Because it had become polluted. And I'm telling you, the church has become polluted today, has it not? I mean, we have traded prayer for performance, worship for worldliness, and preaching for motivational talks. Churches are more and more looking now like nightclubs and bars, and, and I don't know if they still have discotheques, I don't know, but like all these dark lights and all these things and blacking everything out. We picked the whitest paint they had at Sherman Way. I know you can't tell the difference, but it's a whole lot brighter than what it was. Why? Because I like lights. I like being able to see. And I don't get why these churches want their church to look like a bar. And I don't get why these preachers want to go sing at a bar. It's your fault. And I don't know why these preachers want to go on The Voice and sing about drinking whiskey. And I don't know why you would like the video. I'm just telling you this morning, we are living in an age where the church is being polluted and corrupted, making a mockery of the things of God. Amen. Jesus walked in and, you know, everybody wants to see that Jesus, you know, petting a dove or holding a little lamb. That's the Jesus they love. Oh, they love that Jesus. You know, holding, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's flipping over tables and kicking lambs out in this text. He ain't petting a lamb, he's kicking them out. The Bible, look at verse 15. And when he had made a small scourge of cords, he drove out all the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers and money and overthrew the tables. He said, this church looks like a barnyard. Now, I have preached in those churches where it was just a barnyard circus, all it was. All you need was a ringmaster, and you'd have a barman and bailey put them out of business. And, and what they were doing, they were just making a mockery of God's house. Jesus flipped over these tables. These ain't, these ain't six-foot tables that we bought at Sam's. He's flipping over here. Some people say these tables weighed as many as 200 pounds. Jesus was not a sissy. He was a man's man. He, he flipped those tables and ran them out. Notice the passion for the temple, verse 16. And he said to them that sold doves, Take these things hence, and make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. So I said, why did Jesus do that? Well, number one, it's his house. I guess he can do what he wants to. But he saw something needed to be done. And I'm telling you, in the day and age we're living in, I wonder if Jesus walked in this church this morning, would he flip any tables and would he run anybody out? 
Now, now we've, we've talked about them other places, but let's get to us this morning. Would Jesus have to flip some table over and save Harbor Baptist Church? Would he have to run some people out because we've made church about us, about our feelings, about our emotions, about what we want, about what we like? Somebody didn't shake my hand. Somebody got my parking spot. Somebody didn't speak to me. Somebody looked at me cockeyed. Their head might be crooked, okay? I mean, just be kind. Don't be mean to people. I'm just telling you this morning, we make it all about us. And Jesus would run you out. Oh, y'all like that Jesus, you're petting the dove and petting the lamb. But what about the ones when he ran them out? He had passion. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then there is the picture of the temple, verses 18 through 22. Then the answer of the Jews said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing thou doest these things? Now, you know, sometimes we read the Bible, we really don't see the expression. (laughs) I don't know if they asked it in a calm voice. But basically they're saying, um, okay, so what are you trying to tell us here? Jesus answered in verse 19, sending them to destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. You know, you can tell some people something, they just don't get it. Verse 20, then said the Jews, Forty and six years of this temple and building, wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. The Jews thought much of their temple. But Jesus will look back in Matthew chapter number 12 and said, Behold, a greater than the temple is here. Talking about himself. This, this tearing down the temple and raising up in three days, he is foretelling his gospel ministry of dying, being buried, and rising again. That is the primary interpretation of this text. Y'all want to go home at 17 minutes in this message. Now, let's, let's give you the practical application. In our text, Jesus has went into the temple of God and cleaned house. But my Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Now, we've made the application this morning that if Jesus came in here, would he flip tables over and save Harbor Baptist Church? But let's talk about your temple this morning. Let's talk about your body. Let's talk about Richie Baptist Church, Josh Baptist Church, because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Are there any tables need to be flipped over in your heart this morning? Three things in the text. Number one, there was divine, divine inspection in verse 14. I won't read all the verses for sake of time. But Jesus went into this temple. The divine inspection. I note his discovery in verse 14. The Bible said he found some things. He found some things. I wonder this morning... As Jesus looks within our heart and in our lives, has He found anything? Has He discovered anything in your heart and life that is gratifying to your flesh and not not beneficial to your spiritual life? His discovery, I'll be done in a second, His displeasure. What He found, He didn't like. What He found in that temple that day when He began to flip tables over Brother Charles, He didn't like. And I wonder how often this morning. You know what we need? We need a, we need a building inspection this morning. We need God to inspect our temple. I, I got, I, I, you know, you, uh, you buy a house, and especially unless it's a, a brand, well, I guess they do them on a brand new house, they'll have an inspector come in. 
And that inspector, he's looking for something. I remember we sold our house. The inspector marked on that paper that there was a screw missing out of the light switch panel. One little screw. That's not even an inch long. But he wrote it down. Now, I didn't like him doing that when I was selling a house. Now, when I was buying a house and I got that inspection report, I want to know everything. Why? Because I'm fixing to put a lot of money in the next 30 years into this. I'm going to tell you this morning, Jesus has every right to inspect every area of your life because he's invested a lot in you and he's invested a lot in me. Divine inspection. The psalmist said, Search me, O God and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Does the Lord have liberty to inspect your heart and life? Or you got room shut off to Him? Now, Lord, you can look at my life, but stay out of this area. Lord, you can, you can uh, search me, God, except this area. Don't go in that room. Don't go in that down that hall. Don't go in that corner. Don't go in that. Don't look in that closet. I'm talking about a divine inspection this morning. Then there is a deliberate involvement. He discovered and and some things, and he was displeased with some things. But he didn't he didn't do like the inspector does uh, on your house. You know they'll inspect it and then they leave. You got to do something about it yourself. No, Jesus did something about it because that was his temple. I noticed preparation in verse 15. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, this speaks of the patience and the long-suffering of our Lord. The great lesson here about rushing into things. He made a scourge. How many of y'all believe this morning Jesus could have said scourge a small cord? He had popped right in his hand. He wouldn't have made anything. But he took time standing over there making a scourge. What's he doing? He's long-suffering. He's hoping they'll get it right. He's hoping maybe they'll see they're, what they're doing is wrong. But you know what? I like Brother Randy Southern said. What, he, what was he doing? He was whipping him up a sermon. He's getting that whip ready. And I'm telling you, his, and it's interesting, the next time you find the word scourge in the book of John is when they scourged our Lord. Wouldn't it be awful to have your temple scourged after he's already been scourged for your sin? Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every one whom he receiveth. Hebrews chapter 12. His preparation, his pursuit. Not only did he get involved in preparing that scourge of cords, but then he pursued. The Bible said he drave them all out. That means he chased them out. But I'm going to tell you what happens many times in our lives. I know we got quiet, but we need to get quiet and maybe listen for a minute. The Lord finds things in our lives and he wants to remove them. We're like, no, 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 no. Now, Lord, you can do this, you can do that, do that, but leave this alone. He ain't interested in that. He's interested in flipping tables and running things out, pursuing, getting those things out. Divine inspection, deliberate involvement, and declared instruction. Verse 16 and 17. He said, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remember that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. I'm interested in that word zeal. The word zeal, I think I put it in your outline, means an envious and contentious rivalry. Jealous. Jealousy. Defending anything. I hope this morning that if you're married, that you're jealous of your spouse in a positive way. 
I don't want another man hugging on my wife. There's only a few exceptions. Old men. Get the, and only a few old men. Real old men like David Montgomery. He's real old. I mean, like he's like he's like dead old. I mean, he's that old. I hope he's watching. Amen. I know. I hope he's not. I hope he's in church. Where I hope he's at. All right. <laughs> I hope he's preaching. Amen. <laughs> uh, I don't want somebody else hugging on my wife, and she don't want any of y'all women hugging on me. Why? Jealous is the right thing. Why? Because because that is a proper jealousy. You know why the Lord cleaned that temple up? He is jealous of it. He saw the world coming in and stealing the affections of his people. And he got stirred up about it. He saw the merchandise coming in. And I know men took these verses years ago and used to preach you shouldn't sell tapes and CDs and books in the church. That's not what that's talking about. These people, there's nothing wrong with Brother Piercy or he'll be here next Sunday morning, Lord willing. Brother Piercy or Brother LeBeau or some of these men that have books or CDs setting up a table and helping the gospel. There's nothing wrong with that. These people were charging people to worship and were robbing people is what they were doing. But I'm going to tell you this this morning. When the Lord sees worldly influences taking precedence in the life of His church and the life of His people, He gets jealous over it. Why? Two reasons, and I'm done. He purchased us. The Bible said that we were not redeemed corruptible things of silver and gold, received by the church of our but with the precious blood of Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. I heard Brother Rudy Smith preaching this week, and you think you know the answer to this question, but you don't. So be careful. Is there anything more precious than the blood of Jesus Christ? Immediately we say, no, there's nothing more precious than His blood. But there is. You know what it is? The church. Because He purchased the church with His blood. He thought more of the church. He Don't miss that now. He thought more of me and you. That He was willing to lay down His life's blood to purchase us. Acts 20, 28 said He purchased us with His own blood. I don't know what those boys in California do with that. But He purchased us with His own blood. So he thought more of us than he did his own life. That's humbling to me. So he has every right to walk in this church, flip over tables, and run things out. But he also has every right to get in my heart. And say, that ain't right. That attitude, that spirit, what you're watching, what you're saying, what you're doing, how you're conducting yourself, that ain't right. I bought you. I purchased you. The zeal of thine house eat me up. He purchased us, but then he's going to present us one day. Ephesians 5 said he wants to present a glorious church. Why, why would we want to go back to what he brought us out of? Why would we want to go back? The proverb talks about the dog returning to his vomit, and we that, that is disgusting to us, okay? That is it's just it's nasty. That's what we do when we go back to our sin that he brought us out of. You got any tables in your heart this morning that need to be flipped over? Well, I don't know, preacher. Oh, if you ask him. I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to let you know something, too. Three years later, he's going to walk into the same temple, Brother Clayton, and have to do it all over again. Here's the application I get from that. We need a daily inspection and a daily cleansing. Not for salvation, but for fellowship. You know what we need? We need Jesus to clean up this house. 
You need Jesus to clean up your house. We can preach that to the church, and I, I've tried to do that this morning, but I want to make the application personally. Our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. What are we allowing in our lives that di- that's displeasing to the Lord? As we stand this morning for prayer, Brother Matthew's coming to play a verse of invitation. If you need to come pray, you're welcome to do so, whatever God spoke to your heart about. But we ought to pray as David prayed. Search me and try me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. I need a spiritual inspection. I need God, you to inspect areas of my life. I need you to flip over some tables in my life. Run some things out that's not pleasing to you. And God help us this morning. If you need to come pray, these altars are open.